apologize if it's hot in here. We just had the heat and the AC gone through, and uh, so it's not happy right now for whatever reason. So and I guess it doesn't like the way we placed the duct tape on it. But anyway, the rubber band or the paper clip broke something. Um, I'm grateful for my wife and my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law spoke last week. I'm not used to not speaking, but my wife looked at me this week, and she knows when I'm tired. And she said, John, I got Sunday if you need me to take it. And I was like, without question, I said, yes. It's just, I'll tell you what, sometimes it's just a little bit draining, okay, if I can be human with you. And uh, I'm really looking, I wanted to be a part, but I don't want to not be completely engaged, and she is. And she's been right here in this series with me. We've got just a couple of weeks left on this series, and uh, thank you for for being here, and I'm excited about it. I know the material that she's going to give to you is, is just wonderful, and God will use her. So, We are going to teach together this morning, but you're stuck with me. And this is a really practical teaching. Um, so if you are inclined to do so, we don't have slides this morning, and I purposefully didn't do them so that you'll do the old-fashioned thing. Pull out a piece of paper and a pen and take some notes because this is about you identifying your spiritual gifts. Okay? So do it the old-fashioned way. Take some notes this morning. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege it is to come together to look at your word, to worship you, to fellowship with one another. I just pray that as we look at these gifts that you've given to the body of Christ, that you will reveal to us uh, each individually, Lord, the corporate anointing that you wish to accomplish when these gifts are in action in this body and in the body as a whole. We thank you for it. It's such a privilege and such an honor that you count us worthy to house the very gifts of your spirit, and we give you great praise for that, and we thank you humbly um, for that privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this series, we've already talked about who the Holy Spirit is, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, the importance of obedience to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then we talked for several weeks about the hidden wisdom of the Holy Spirit, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So the distinction there between the fruit and the gifts, the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that are byproducts of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The things that are produced out of our actions and out of our lives that tell the world that we belong to Jesus. Okay? We can't practice them in our own power. We're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We don't have enough willpower or um, positive thinking to make it happen, right? It's the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us that makes this possible. So how do we receive that? We talked about that we need to surrender to the Holy Spirit and let him have his way in us. Let him work in us and cultivate this fruit. We talked about how cultivate is a process, right? Doesn't happen overnight. You plant seeds and you don't walk out the next morning and have full-grown watermelons in your garden, do you? It takes some tending. It takes some reading up on. It takes some pruning. It takes all kinds of work to get to that point. So, no, this is not an illustration. I'm just thirsty. <laughs> 
So, um, the fruit of the Spirit is continually growing and being cultivated in our lives. As the works of the flesh decrease in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit increases. Okay? So, fruit comes out of us because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And the gifts of the Spirit are what God gives to build up the church and his kingdom. So that's the distinction between the two. The gifts of the Spirit focus on our character and our calling. Okay? Where the fruits are what come out of us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit focus on our character and our calling. But here's what happens. When the gifts outpace the fruit, then we find that we don't have the character to handle our calling. Let me say that again. When the gifts outpace fruit, then we find we don't have the character to handle our calling. So what that means is we can be functioning in a gift, but yet our fruit says we don't belong to him or that we don't belong to him fully. So our character negates our calling. Has that ever happened to someone before? I'll be super transparent this morning. John and I have been to meetings in the past that we've been so excited about, sitting around with other pastors and other ministers, and we get to glean from this wisdom. And we have many, met many, many people that have poured into our lives and have the character to back it up and that are such a blessing to John and I and to our lives, personally and spiritually. And there's been a few times we've been at the table where your gift just canceled out or your character just canceled out your gift in my heart and in my mind because what you said was so not scriptural, so ugly, condemning or gossip or um, just uh, self-centered and let your gift outpace your fruit. So we have to be careful of that, don't we? We have to be careful of that. So we've talked about the last few weeks when we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about Ephesians 4. And the gifts that are listed there are ministry gifts. Do we know what they are? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, preachers, pastors. Um, That work is called the ministry gifts. That's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ, right? We talked about, and if you miss any of this, it's all on our website. You can go back and listen to any weeks that you missed. In 1 Corinthians 12, we talked about the gifts that are manifest in the body of Christ. We talked about the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, the prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits or discernment. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Do you remember when Pastor John went through all of those and talked about those? So those are ministry gifts. This week, we're going to talk about what, the, what people break it down and call the motivational gifts. And they are in Romans 12. This is a corporate... These, these other two, or the ministry gifts, some of this can seem more personal, but this particularly, the motivational gifts that the Holy Spirit gives the body of Christ, they are corporate, and they are a ministry for this body to do, for everybody to do. And the emphasis is not on having them, but on using them. 
Okay, so we're going to talk about what they are. If you will turn in your Bibles to uh, Romans 12. These are also called the gifts of grace. And let me just tell you, when we all find the spiritual gift that God has called us to, and we are using those gifts, there is great grace in the body. These are gifts of grace from the Holy Spirit. Starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another." So just as your body, your physical body, has many members that do many different things, so the body of Christ has many members that do many different things for the glory of God. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So he breaks down these gifts for us, and he says to them, to us, this grace, these gifts come through grace, let us use them. So he's encouraging us to not only identify your spiritual gift, but to use it. Okay, so let's talk about them one by one this morning. The first is prophecy or perceiving. The b- prophecy means this, the ability to quickly, accurately discern good and evil and proclaim truth for understanding, correction, and edification. Okay, effectively communicating God's message. In proportion to our faith, that little phrase that you see there, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, that simply means in agreement to the faith. That means the message must be true to the tenets of the Christian faith. They must abide by scripture and what the Bible says and what our faith is. So effectively communicating God's message, that's an important word because effectively means that the hearer and the receiver is getting the message. Do you see what I'm saying? The Bible also says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So our personality sometimes can get in the way of effective communication. It's happened to me before. I didn't say what I meant to say because I let my mind and my the way I deliver. If you have that gift of prophecy, you have to ask God to effectively communicate his message that agrees with his word for the edification, for the correction, and for the understanding of the hearer. Because what good is it if they don't hear or understand, right? So that gift of prophecy, these people have insight. They are serious, they are dedicated, and they are loyal to the truth even over personal relationships. These are diehard truth seekers, this gift of prophecy. The next gift, service. 
And as we read, this is not an inclusive list, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But if you, and these are not inclusive dynamics of each gift. There are personalities and, and um, backgrounds and diversity within these, but this is just kind of an overview of what each of these means. Be listening for what makes your heart beat a little faster, for what, oh, that's me, that kind of thing. The next one is service. These people are the hands of the body. These people are the hands of the church, okay? In Acts 20 and 35, there's a scripture that says, help the weak. That's these people. But there's more to it than that. It's not just about helping the underdog or the weak or the one who's struggling. Um, this gift is manifested in all sorts of practical help that, that people give to one another. These people have the ability to see unmet needs and they find resources to meet those needs. That's the gift of service. They will personally help accomplish the goal. They may tend to overcommit, but they find joy in serving and meeting goals. So that is serving. These people, the people that are called to serving, never grumble and complain. They never look like they're losing their minds while they're serving. I, I, I hate to call out things, but I have to because it's such a perfect example. Um, like, I can, I can see the big picture. I'm a big picture person. I can see the big picture. I'm very administrative. I can tell you every moving part and what needs to happen. But if you ask me to plan food for a marriage retreat, I would leave the church and never come back. I would be so intimidated to do what Margaret and Cindy do. I, I, I just could not plan well. I don't even plan the right proportions for our own family. I have to ask John, is this enough for everyone? Because <laughs> I just, I'm not a spatial thinker. That's not my gift. But when we were at the marriage encounter, we have these couples coming in. We're very wanting it to be a spirit of excellence. And there's a lot of moving parts, a lot going on. And here comes Cindy from the back in this beautiful dress, doesn't have a bead of sweat, smiling, hi, the food should be here any minute, we got a few things going on back there, but it's good, she was so relaxed, and so, and joyful, you know why, she wasn't frantic, or sweating, or running around, and I've been here since two o'clock doing this, no, because it's her gift, the joy, the cheerfulness, when you find your gift, nobody has to beg you to do it, now sometimes you have to persevere, okay, yeah. Sometimes you have to persevere through tough seasons or tough circumstances. Margaret gets one phone call and the whole picnic goes. That's it. One phone call. She's got, I got it. I got it. I got it. Just come. That's the way you know you're in your gift. When with a little bit of direction or with a little bit of help, you find joy and fulfillment, and you look around and you see everybody enjoying themselves and taking part in that. That's a great sign that you're in your zone. Now, don't let that fool you, like I said, because not every, every season has weather, as pastors taught us. So even your glorious season of serving, Cindy, will have weather. So there'll be times there'll be discouragement. and th But the thing about it is they're not motivated by how the weather is. They're motivated by the calling on their life. And that's what God wants for all of us. When you know the calling on your life, it doesn't matter the weather. It doesn't discourage you. You'll keep on. Okay? So, does this make sense? Okay. So, the gift of service. The next gift that is mentioned in Romans 12 is teaching. The gift of teaching. 
This is the special ability to interpret and present God's truth understandably. The ability to have clarity, to to clarify, illuminate, simplify, and illustrate a truth for the sake of communication and understanding. Let me say that again because that's a mouthful. It's the ability to clarify, illuminate, simplify, and illustrate a truth for the sake of communication and understanding. Now, each one of those is important. Have you ever sat and listened to someone teach, and then they they say something, and your eyebrows come together, but then there's clarification? There's an explanation. That's important. Illumination, bringing to light an idea, a thought, a revelation, a scripture that maybe you've never, the light comes on, okay? Simplify. We have this conversation all the time, don't we? We just go. It just means whatever you're saying, just distill it down. Simplify it for me so I can understand it. Just simplify. It's helpful when someone can distill it down and simplify to something you can take home with you, that you can chew on, that you can think about and meditate on. To illustrate. Sometimes I don't know what's been preached, but I can tell you what the illustration was. And it sticks with me because it's visual. And it stays in my mind because I can see the concept that was being painted by the illustration given. It's a gift. It's a gift. So people with the teaching gift have the ability to discern and analyze and deliver information so that others understand, learn, and grow. I had a, um, okay, so I'm a musician. I've done all kinds of things and played for many, many, many years. I am not as accomplished as many, but I can make my way. So in college, I failed music theory. I had a teacher, a professor, and he was full of knowledge. I think two people in our entire class passed with D's. The rest of us failed. And really, it became an issue with the college because something's happening. He has all the knowledge, but not the ability to deliver it to others so that people learn, understand, and grow. So there was a breakdown there. I can play this piano, but don't ask me to teach your kids how to do it. I don't teach piano because I don't play the right fingering, and I don't, I, you don't want me to teach your kids if you want them to play classical music. If you want them to play worship music, we can fudge our way through and do chord charts, and we can have a good time. But if you want that, you know, I can fake my way through that, but I'm not a teacher of that because I can't clearly communicate how I do it. I don't know. Okay, so that's my point. Having, being able to teach is not always having the knowledge. It's being able to communicate it so that other people can learn and grow from it. Okay, and these can be, all of these gifts are works in progress. They can be worked on. They can be Um, taken before the Lord, you keep growing in them. It's not like you're just born with it. Some of us develop into these gifts. Aren't you thankful for that? Many of you will see that you have more than one of these. And some of them you go, ooh, I'd like that to be mean, but it's probably not. Well, it probably is. And you just need to be cultivated in it. You just need to grow in it, okay? So teaching, Um, their gift is very foundational, the gift of teaching. They love the accuracy of words. Finding just the right word because just the right word conveys just the right message, right? 
They love to study. They love to research. They love to validate. And they love to communicate the truth. Okay? That's the teaching spirit inside of you. That's the gift that God put there to be able to share with others. Aren't you thankful for that? We need that in the body. We need that. Next gift, exhortation or encouragement is another word for that. In the Greek, he, you know, all that stuff, I could break it down, but just trust me, exhortation, encouragement. It includes advising, pleading, warning, comforting, and strengthening, exhorting. The very definition I love this definition of exhort because sometimes I think we have the wrong picture. The definition is to be with and for another. To be with and for another. It's the God-given ability to minister words of comfort, consolation, encouragement, and counsel in a way that others feel helped and healed. It's truthful. It's honest. Sometimes people with this gift can come across as being too forward. What it is is the truth pushing forward. That's what it is. And this gift has to be um, consecrated constantly to the Lord because, again, what good is a message if no one can receive it? Okay? So these people are motivated by a desire to see others grow and mature in the Lord. That's the motivation of their heart. They want to see others grow. So they're practical and they're positive. You, you leave their presence feeling empowered and encouraged. Don't you love to go to lunches or meetings or sit around the table with people like that where you feel encouraged and empowered when you leave and positive and like mm, just a push of energy? That's kind of what that's like. Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy said, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. So again, there's these gifts, but it's not a free-for-all. There are boundaries and there are reins that are involved. And one, said, one thing he said is, you have to have great patience. Okay? Patience with giving instruction. Hebrews 10 says, consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Consider how to. It doesn't just say, stimulate one another any way you choose. Consider how you stimulate one another. Consider it. Be circumspect. And you know what circumspect means? It means considering and weighing all of the options before you make a decision. So it's being circumspect, it's being patient, it's sitting back, it's going through the scenario, it's asking the Lord, what is the outcome of this situation and how do you want me to move? It's not just a free-for-all, I'm not just going to bust out, I'm going to sit back carefully, I'm going to be patient and as the word says, I'm going to consider how I stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why is it important for us to be here on Sundays? Not forsaking the assembling together. It says it right here. It's the habit of some. Encourage one another and all the more day. This is encouraging. 
to come in here to see one another. Not only is it the word going forth in worship, but it's encouraging. And it's also humbling. You have to humble yourselves with each other. You have to share with each other. You have to love one another. You have to make the effort to be here. God intends for us to be here together. And when we begin to forsake that, then there's isolation. And what does the enemy love? A sheep all by himself. Well, I don't have to come to church to love Jesus. Well, you come to church when you do, and it, I do think you do. <laughs> I don't think you have to come to church. You know what I'm saying. But I think when you do, it flows out of you because you love his people. And here's the other thing. When you're not here, your gifts don't flow. And they don't bless anybody. No one person has all these gifts. So when you're missing, they're missing. Don't you want to see that active in the body? Amen. Amen. Exhortation. Giving. The gift of giving. Um, in Romans, there's scripture that says, some. I'm sorry, I can't quote it exactly, but that all should have the spirit of generosity. But this is a special gifting of giving. This is the ability to manage one's resources of income, time, energy, and skill to exceed what most people would consider reasonable standards for giving. So the giver, income, time, energy, skills, exceed what most people would give, and it's often sacrificial. It's above and beyond. They are above and beyond people with their time, with their skills, with their money, with their resources, um, with information. They're above and beyond people. They see a need, and they meet it and often exceed it. They are excited by the prospect of blessing others and making an impact in the kingdom. They are alert to people's needs. They always give the best they can, and they do it cheerfully. And here's a big one that I wrote down last night as I was looking over these. They are untainted by ulterior motives or affectation. They are untainted by ulterior motives, and they are um, sincerely humble. Um, ulterior motives bother me when we're talking about this gift because I wrote underneath of that the generous believer gives of himself not for himself you give of yourself not for yourself so you know if I'm if I feel like God is asking me to do something it might not be an Instagram moment or a Facebook Live of me helping somebody out. We're just here to bless some people today. Just here to bless people. I'm so good. Yeah. Can we, can we help you? You need some food or some money? You know, I, I just don't get that. That's tainted. Because that's not coming from a place that protects them. But it exposes you. And so... It's not sincere. And even about, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just sowing seeds. Just me. It's just me over here sowing seeds. Just sow your seeds quietly. Just do it quietly. Sow your seeds quietly. Let God water them. 
I can't make them grow anyway. I'm not impressed. (laughs) Only God can. Sow your seeds. Sow it into the kingdom. Sow it into the heavens. Sow it into what matters. But when we do it for a kickback, for a, for a, uh, that's why, you know, it's like, I remember a church we went to and I told John, I said, I can't. Like, why are they having a banquet for the top tithe payers? That's just weird. A special dinner for the top tithe payers. Some of you are laughing because you know. That's no, no. We're not doing that. We're not, we had a piece of paper pushed to us. Pastor these kids. They're the top 10% of our tithe givers. The rest of the kids, whatever. No, wrong place for us. We're on a plane. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) And I'm making light, but it's very painful. There is that thought in the church. And this gift of giving for recognition these people that are givers that God has given, they don't give for recognition, but for the cause or the one that stands in need, and it's for the glory of God. They know he sees all. They know that he will multiply what they're able to give, and that is what it's about. Their hearts are pure, and they don't do it for recognition. Sometimes recognition comes, and that's fine. And if someone blesses you, you should say thank you. You should go to them and say, hey, I I so appreciate what you've done. But I'm talking about having the motive in your heart that that is the motivation. Sincere humility. Um, And we're not talking about things like tithing. Tithing is 100% non-negotiable obedience to God in his word. Um, My husband has given this message before, but if I... If I give Cindy a dollar and she says, oh, thank you so much for my dollar and gives me a dime back, I just really want to bless you. You want to bless me, give me two (laughs) dollars. Because I just gave you a dollar and you're giving me back ten cents of my own money. Do you see how we get twisted when what we're doing is we're saying to God, the 100% comes from you. We gladly obey and give you what you've asked for so you can bless the rest. We're not doing God a favor, right? We're not doing, he doesn't need a favor. He has it all, so he doesn't need our 10 cents. It's a matter of obedience. And so saying that, this gift of giving not talking about tithing. We're talking about time. We are talking about finances, but skills, leadership, the talents that God had, giving, giving, giving. The next gift is leading or administration. I love this definition too. The definition of leading is to stand before. And the, the, the word for administration is to guide. So it's not standing over people. It's not a chart like you get at work, like here's the boss and then here's the, it's it's standing before people. And administration is guiding people. So what do we know about a guide? You can't guide people where you haven't been, right? So leaders have the, and the word tells us this, the extra responsibility on them because they have to guide. I can't tell you to do something I haven't done. John has said before, if he goes out hunting and the guide says, I think you go over, why don't you try over there? Try over there, walk down. I'm not really sure. I've never been there, but there might be something down there. There might be some fish you can get. No, like I paid money for a guide. I want you to say, get in my boat. We're going to this area. I know there's some fish hitting and you're going to catch a boatload, right? 
That's what you want. And that's what you want in a leader, someone that's been there, someone that has uh, can guide you and lead you to that. So that's what a leader is, not to stand over, but to stand before you and to guide you. The leaders have the ability to set goals in accordance with God's purpose for the future. They have the ability to communicate the goals to others in a way that they harmoniously work for the glory of God. These people have the ability to see the overall picture and the long-term goals. They're the visionaries. Okay, They can see what my husband's a visionary, but I'm the administrator. So he'll say, I want to do this. And I'm like, okay, now here's the 75 things that have to happen to make that happen. But I'm with you. And ask him to write down the 75 things. He can't do it. Am I a dreamer? Not so much. He is, and I'm the administrator. That's how it works. And that's what God wants in the body. He needs leaders, and he needs administrators, and he needs visionaries. So these people are good organizers. They can take information and organize them. They can take people and mobilize them. They find efficient ways to get things done. They may not seek leadership, but they'll assume it if no leader is available. They're going to jump in. If no leader is available, they're going to do it until one surfaces. They find fulfillment when others come together to complete a task. So that sounds like you. You've got the gift of administration and leading. And God wants you to administrate and lead. And so does our church. Okay? The next gift that is listed is mercy. Is mercy a gift? It is. Not everybody has that. The extraordinary ability, and here's the key, to feel and act upon genuine empathy for those that suffer physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, whatever the situation. The mercy is not just feeling, but it's acting. It's acting upon that knowledge. They're compassionate. They easily sense the joy or distress in other people. If you can walk in a room and you immediately can distinguish the temperature in a person or the room, you know, you can sense and feel um, that, then that might be the gift of mercy because you're sensing joy or distress in others. They're sensitive to people's feelings and needs. They are attracted to and patient with people in need. They're motivated by a desire to see people healed and set free and to know the word and to know Christ. They're generally meek and tend to avoid firmness. Now, meek, not mealy-mouthed and a a doormat. Meek is just uh, uh, strength under control. Power, strength under control. They realize when someone's in a vulnerable position and hurting might not be the time to just raise up and come on, let's go, get it together. They realize that. That, wait a minute, meekness says, wait a second, let me, let me take a minute and feel this pain with this person. Where the exhorter might just not. The exhorter might come in full force, you know, tell, and it's the truth, but there needs to be mercy first, Right? So they do not minister grudgingly as a martyr or out of a sense of duty, but cheerfully. Some examples of this are people that enjoy hospital visitation or jail ministry or hospice sitting. 
um, when someone is ill. It, it, there was a woman in our church years ago. She's with the Lord now. But that was her joy to find people that were dying and offer the family to go and sit with them so that they could do what they needed to do and so lovingly tend and care for people in their last moments. Okay? They are clo- they are um, uh, they have the ability to see sorrow and suffering and apply the kindness and the mercy of the Lord, the gift of mercy. So this, la- this list is um, representative, but it's not exhaustive. Um, in Ecclesiastes 9, we read that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You know, whatever your gift is, whatever God has put before you, do it with all your might. And then we see in Colossians 3, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. And I'll tell you, no matter what your spiritual gift is, if you work for man, you're going to burn out super fast. Okay? And we're going to talk about why in a minute and how these gifts are interpreted and why sometimes... um, We don't see things the same. It's meant to be that way. It's not a negative. It's a positive, and I'm going to show you why and how. But whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not unto man. When you minister to those kids, you're ministering to those kids, Logan, and you're speaking into their lives, but you're really doing it unto the Lord. You really are. And when you, whatever, when you're back there with the kids, you're ministering to them, but you're doing it unto the Lord. That way, when it goes good, bad, when you're frustrated, when you're, you are doing it as a sacrifice to the Lord, and you're not for a response from man. Because the minute you see receive rejection or um, one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is affirmation and rejection. They're both equally destructive and can be. But particularly rejection, we think we're not called. We think that we're, we're in the wrong position because if I was doing everything right, then I would see results, positive results all of the time. Not true. We're all a work in progress. And so your gifts are going to butt up against people's um, issues and it's going to be like sandpaper. And you better be able to handle it because what people do is they lay their giftings down. And the church suffers, and the body suffers, and they suffer. Because God doesn't want you to lay your gifts down. He wants you to have the fortitude to press through sometimes when it gets difficult. So do it as unto the Lord, and you'll never face discouragement. Because he always has a word. His word will always encourage and strengthen us to keep on. So the bottom line is identify your gifts and use them to build up the church. Don't impose your gifts on others because the way you see things is not the way other people see things. You exercise your gift and let others do the same. All will compensate and all boxes will be checked if we do that. And let me explain what I mean by that. So here's an example. I'm going to tell you a scenario of something that happens, and I'm going to describe how each gifting would handle the situation, okay? So a woman hurries across our church parking lot. Her arms are loaded with papers. She suddenly stumbles, and the papers go flying everywhere. So here's how each person handles that. Now let me start by saying each person is going to help her pick up the papers. Okay? Each person is going to give help, but the motive for why they're doing it is directly related to the gifting that God put inside of them. Okay? 
the prophet is going to say, I'm going to help her pick up those papers. This is an opportunity to tell her that God loves her and that this is a great church. That's the motivation. The server is going to say, oh my goodness, she is in need of practical help. I'm going to go just pick up those papers for her and tell her to go get in her car and I'll bring them to her when she's, when she's settled. That's what the server's going to do. And it's motivated by that practical help. The teacher is going to say, the Bible teaches that we are to be servants to others. So I'm going to be a servant to others and I'm going to go help. The motivation for the teacher is that the Bible says it. Okay? So the exhorter says, here's a great opportunity to meet someone and encourage her to get involved in a small group. So they're already going to the end. They already have them, a member of the church in a small group. <laughs> That's the heart of the exhorter to say, I will encourage. I'm going to go and I'm going to encourage. You're not alone. There's small groups and there's people and there's, you know, this opportunity to meet others. It's my opportunity to go and to meet. That's the heart and the motive behind the exhorter is to encourage. The giver is going to say, I can give my time and effort to help. I'm going to stop what I was doing and go and help. The leader is going to turn to their spouse and say, honey, why don't you just go get in the car while I help this lady so we won't be late for our meeting? <laughs> they delegate because they see the big picture, okay? So the motive is that big picture. So how can we accomplish this but still have the, the goals met that we need to meet? The mercy person, the mercy extender, is going to say, oh, I hope she's not embarrassed. I can really identify with that. So I'm going to kneel down and just say, oh, it happens to all of us. It's okay. You know, can I help you pick it up? So do you see how the, 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 all of the motives are different? And if we begin to judge each other's motives, what we do is miss the big picture that she's being helped. Still being helped. She's being helped by everyone, but we're doing it according to our giftings. We shouldn't say, why would you invite her to a small group when all you really need to do is pick up the papers? Because that gifting inside of them sees a bigger picture. Do we see how we have to treat each other's giftings with courtesy and love? And we might not see it the same way. We see the, the issue and the need the same way. But God so lovingly sends us all with the different motives he put inside of us to accomplish the same goal. Does that make sense? Raise your hand if yes. All right. Awesome. All right. So be thankful for the different gifts. Be thankful that they're not the same. We do not have all of these gifts. We do not. So this church will suffer if you depend on us to have all these gifts. We don't. We are functioning in our gifts. And we want you to function in yours so we can be a whole body moving together for the kingdom of God. So really quickly, the last couple points, how do you know your spiritual gifts? How do you know? Here's some just common sense things, okay? First of all, where do I sense the most joy? Where do I sense the most joy? What am I passionate about? If you're passionate about the lost and you are passionate about, you know, other, other missionaries and that you might, you're probably called to something like missions or, you know, or maybe you're called to evangelism. So what are you passionate about? What makes you go, oh, 
I want to read about that. I want to talk about that. I want to, I want more of that. What are you passionate about? What have others said that you're gifted in? Please listen. Don't have false humility where you're like, oh, (laughs) no. Listen to what people are saying. If they see it in you, that's valid. They see a gifting in you. You may not see it yourself. But what do other people say that you're gifted in? What do you carry a burden for? What makes you cry? When you see it, what makes you cry? When you see the need or when you see the opportunity, what makes your eyes well up with tears? What has been prophesied over you that bore witness in your spirit? What have you read about that you believe God made a promise to you about or spoke to you about um, and challenged you and you felt that excitement, but you kind of let it wane? Go back to that. Go back to that. What are those things? How do I use my gifts? Get rid of the doubt and step out into action. You use something by using it, stepping out into action. Don't let the doubt and the fear, I can't tell you how many people are tethered to their seats because they're fearful. Cultivate. We cultivate gifts around here. You have leaders that are behind you. We'll water. We'll get you in some sunshine. We'll get you uh, um, counseling if you need that classes if you need that. Whatever you need to feel like you are confident in your calling, we're here for you. We will resource that. You're not alone. There are others that share your gift also. Develop your gift in a place where there's accountability and structure. That's why we have accountability and structure, because that's where our gifts are cultured. That's where they're developed. How do I use my gifts? Be submissive to leadership as they help you develop your gifts. To your team leaders, to your pastors, to whoever is over you, be submissive to them. Talk to them. Open your mouth. Ask questions. It's a good thing. And lastly, Timothy said, with our gifts that we should fan the flame, right? Don't let it lay dormant. Don't let it lay dormant. To be effective, we have to know God's word and we have to be obedient to God's word. And we have to fan the flame. We have to keep stoking the gift that God has put inside of us. When it starts to feel like, uh, stoke it because it's not time for you to give up and give in. might be time for you to take a break, but it's not time for you to forsake the gifting and the calling on your life. The end of Romans, I love because um, we took this right out of the middle of Romans 12. And I want to just close with the end of Romans 12 because it reminds us after he's told us about being a living sacrifice. And then he's explained to us what these gifts of grace are. He ends the chapter like this. Because gifts are only effective when they're done in love. Right? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. 
Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give peaceably with all. I'm sorry. But give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's how he finishes off the chapter on these gifts. He tells us how to love one another. And he tells us about the marks of the true Christian. So I hope that this morning, that as you wrote things down and as you listened, that there were things in these giftings that stuck out to you. Go home and pray about them. Research them. Ask God to continue to speak to your heart and step out. Let God begin to use you. If you don't know what it is, but you're hungry to know what it is, we'll pray with you. We'll talk to you. We'll help you find what it is. But the work of the Holy Spirit is bigger than just a personal experience. It's a corporate anointing for the body of Christ. And we each have our part to play. So as we have unwrapped all of this teaching on the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and now these gifts of grace. What a beautiful picture we have. Do you see how much is available to us? Do you see how much the Holy Spirit means to us, this precious gift that Jesus left? So we are going to wrap up, I think, next week, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're very excited about that. What that means, what it doesn't mean, all of the things. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gift to the body you come and pray for us please that's a great job honey I'll put my notes back where you got them that was good that was good um don't close your eyes yet look up <laughs> when you become my my bible has little subtopics and stuff like that and it says it talks about behavior when it's talking about these things, it says this is how we're supposed to behave. If we behave this way individually, if you accomplish that where you are one that behaves, did, did anybody uh, get a picture of somebody in your mind in a positive manner? Not, I wish this person would become that way, but they were like that. Um, that's the kind of person that anybody would want to have on their team. And when we become a people that gather like that, we, would, we, we create an environment and an atmosphere where anybody would want to be in on something like that. And uh, it is amazing. I, I tell you, we, we've seen a lot of things. You mentioned just a couple of them. But we're never going to view you as customers. <laughs> and that happens, unfortunately, in churches. You're, you're not customers you're his children. But we are to grow together. And his word teaches us how to grow together because he is who he is. And we are to be become like him. And I'm thankful that that's a process. And I'm thankful over the years I can look back and think I've checked some boxes in moving closer to him and looking like him and, and presenting and being like him. And a lot, I love what you said. A lot of it has to do with our 
delivery. Have you seen those little things where someone gets maybe an Amazon box and the guy or the gal that delivers it just throws it up there and you're like, what the heck? That's my package I paid a lot of money for. They don't say what the heck. Yeah, they, they beef it up a little more. They don't church it up. <laughs> but um, I've received packages that I knew I paid a lot of money for, and I didn't see them deliver them. But when I got the box, it had big old gashes in the side of it. And the first thing I'm thinking of, I get my phone out and start taking pictures of the outside of the box in case I need to return it. I start building my case, even though what's inside of there is of great value to me, and I need it. If I can't receive it because the delivery wasn't right. I'll give you a perfect example. When we redid the bathrooms and those nice petitions that were in there, when they came on a truck, it looked like that truck had been flipped 18 times, caught on fire, and then some crazy person went in there and just tore the boxes apart. When I saw them, even the driver was like, we need to take some pictures, don't we? I'm like, bro, if that stuff is not destroyed, and we paid a lot of money for it. It was just simply the delivery wasn't what you needed it to be, to be able to even receive it. And actually, the stuff actually, that it was perfect. But you wouldn't have known it by the delivery, okay? That's, I'm just repeating everything you just said. I'm doing what you do. Come up and you can summarize and kill it. But anyway. The reason it's important to us because we've done it that way. We've been in ministry over 30 years and we have carelessly thrown the package. And we've learned our lesson. And so can you glean from what we made mistakes on? Sure you can. So that's why we're trying to spare you the experience. Because um, it is possible to have what the beautiful gift inside and I've been heartbroken before at, wow, why did I do it that way? Or why did I? And so it's just a lesson that you can learn from us um, to spare you that. So so what's important is, is the, the product. It's from him, and we deliver it in a right way. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this, this word and breaking down of your word. Thank you for Christine. Thank you for putting in her heart. And thank you for the delivery, God. Help us as your children that we deliver the gifts that you've given us appropriately so they can be received, God. And help us to be always growing and, and, and give ourselves enough grace that, yeah, we're in a process too. But you're growing us, God, and, and to be grateful for that and thankful for that. Lord, I'm excited for next week as we close this series up. I know that you've already given us um, tremendous things for next week, but I pray that you even give us more, God. Let the well be deep here always. We give you praise for it all. Bless these people as they leave here today. Bless them with a wonderful week, a wonderful evening today. And I just um, thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.